Welcome to Better Business Building, where I'm your host, Adam Menderich, where I talk to business leaders from all shapes of life about what's worked for them and how they can help you win. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Rev. Good to see you. Awesome. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited about this. Yeah, man. I loved our, our um, collaboration on the platform and um, I'm really pumped to speak to you today. So as normal, tell me a little bit more about what you do. So I am the founder of Broken Salespeople, and it's a brand that I've created myself after years of going through situations that broke myself. Um, I got out of college right in the middle of the big recession, like literally two months after Lehman Brothers collapsed. I found myself with a degree in history and to be a teacher and no jobs. So what I really started to do was find my way into these sales roles because that was available. And it just kind of became my profession from there. But for many years, I was an average salesperson. And the more I wanted to get better, the more that I wanted to improve, I kept taking advice that was the wrong advice. I would go to my managers, I'd ask questions, I'd ask for training, I'd watch videos, and it kept doubling down on the things that were wrong, that were against my own nature. Um, these high-pressure sales tactics. Yeah, yeah um, like some of the sales jobs I had were the sales jobs that people don't want to work, the door-to-door, the cold calling, the... Um, you know, car dealership sales, the kind of sales that are looked down on as high pressure, high manipulation. And I was pretty good at it. I I was better than average, but I still felt like I was average. Mm -hmm. Um, It took until about when I was 28 that that kind of hit a wall. You That fake it until you make it only works for so long. Mm -hmm. And trying to be this... Dale Carnegie clone purely wasn't me. It's just not who I am. I'm a full-blown introvert. I am somebody who doesn't like small talk, who doesn't like being scripted. I like very complex like conversations that go really deep. And the more I kept fighting it, the more I was on that path towards burnout. And that's what happened. I started having this full-blown panic attack when I was about 28, like in the parking lot of a factory Mm -hmm. um, where like hyperventilating, like full-blown thought I was having a heart attack. And the reason was because I was fighting my nature for so long. I was wearing this disguise for so long and following the wrong advice forever. It was shortly after that, that I read the first piece of sales book, like the first sales book that ever really hit home for me, which was spin selling. And and what spin selling did really well was it taught me that all the things that I was learning for years was not researched. It wasn't actually accurate. Like the idea of, okay, well, the more objections you overturn, the more you're going to sell. No, that just means you're making, being argumentative. Yeah, man. The, yep. the closing is the biggest skill that you can learn. No, by the time you get to the close, people have already made your decision. Closing means almost nothing. Yeah. Yeah. But it was spin selling that the only way I could come to explain it 
is if you remember when you're like 13, 14 years old and you start to realize that your parents aren't perfect, that they don't know everything, that you start to rebel and start fighting against them. I had that euphoria, that eureka moment about my own managers, that they're just trying to do their best guess. And even though they have my best interest at heart, even though they want me to be successful, that doesn't mean they know everything either. Yeah. So they kept pushing me into these sales systems, these giving me these scripts that were hurting my chances to sell. Like at one point I was selling security systems and they say, well, just sit them down and go through the presentation. And they gave me a printed out booklet of of like a PowerPoint, mm-hmm. like a 25 page PowerPoint about yeah. security systems. Nobody wanted to sit and listen to that, but I kept doubling down on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess, so, yeah. Yeah, I was just going to so say. So, yeah, it, it. Yeah, no, I keep going, keep going. Sorry, mate. Yeah. Keep going. Sorry, mate. <laughs> so, for me, it was really about now. I can't rely on what my managers tell me because their opinions could be flawed. So now I knew I had to dig into this researcher mode and find my own answers. And since then, like I, I literally have about 250 books on my Audible account. Like I have dove full bore. I've listened to all sorts of books. I've studied all sorts of different systems. I found what works in here, works in there. Um, but more importantly, what works for me and even more, now I understand just because it works for me doesn't mean it works for everybody. Mm-hmm. It, it depends on your personality. It depends on your product. It depends on what your strengths and weaknesses are. Like, I like spin selling. I like challenger sale. I like gap selling. But I'm not going to preach them to everyone. It all has to fit with whatever you sell and whatever your strengths and weaknesses are. They're just everybody can play the position a little bit differently yeah 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 um so there's a there's a lot in there um Mm -hmm. so the eureka moment was that in each of those roles although that you were doing better than others um you also realized that what you were being told to do wasn't necessarily relevant at that point in time so that's a big realization Mm -hmm. but it also probably didn't resonate with your soul-led actions of how you wanted to be held which was obviously causing the burnout as well so well and part of the reason i was doing well was because i was outworking people i would talk to more people i'd be working 60 70 80 hours where most people were working 40. so i wasn't a better salesperson i was just a harder worker and that didn't scale Like you can't just outwork everybody forever. Eventually you need to figure out how to work smarter than other people. And that's where like, okay, it's great to be in the top 25% of salespeople, but not if you're working 50% harder than everybody else. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. At that point, there's something broken. There's a disconnect. Yeah. So Talk me through the moments in time where obviously you realize that each of these managers didn't actually know as much as what you thought they knew. How did you cope with that? Like, what did you then do? Is that when you started trying to go, okay, I'm going to go outside of these systems to try to get something that resonates better with me so I can do it better? I don't think there was any like 
singular particular reason. I think it was a boiling frog scenario. Mm-hmm. That yeah. the, the heat kept going up that little bit at a time. Like, okay, you need to knock more doors. You need to make more phone calls. Try this word track, try this. And as I was trying these little things that didn't work, it, it just added up. It wasn't one thing where all of a sudden, hey, everything's wrong. It, it took me until I read something that really resonated and that challenged all of these ideas. So I knew something was wrong, but I didn't know what until I read Spin Selling by Neil Rackham. Mm -hmm. And I actually found something with scientific research behind what works and what doesn't. Mm -hmm. And and that's that's one of my biggest gripes with sales in general. Sales is a very, very new genre. Mm -hmm. Um, I kind of look at sales books and sales training as starting in the late 1930s because uh, Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People was written in 36 mm-hmm. and Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich was in 37. Yeah. There was no science, like social science selling book until the early 80s, I think it was 84, that Robert Cialdini came out with Influence. Mm-hmm. So there was no real study into sales until the early to mid 80s. And then Neil Rackham was the first to come up with a sales process based on research and social science and evidence. So sales as a science is only about as old as the Ninja Turtles. Good mm-hmm. mm-hmm. age to be. Yeah. So what, so <laughs> unpacking that a little bit, what do you think the biggest thing you learned on all of that journey would be? The biggest thing I learned is that you have to start building things for yourself, that there is no one person who has all the answers um, and that you need to start challenging these things, that you need to start questioning. Um, If you ever hear the phrase, we have always done it this way, it's probably wrong. Yeah, like that is the most dangerous assertion that I've ever heard in any business relationship at all. Mm Yeah. But as soon as you just because it's been the standard forever doesn't mean it's the right thing to do the phone for instance the like cold calling has been the standard forever but now 75 percent of all cold calls go to voicemail and only five percent of voicemails get returned maybe it's time to change something when 80 percent of your work is right down the gutter yeah yeah and um it surprises me that more companies aren't looking at those churn statistics they're still getting the top end salespeople to do more dumb activities and hoping for the best. And 51% of people who use social media to sell, like social social selling, um, you are 51% more likely to surpass quota if you're using social selling as opposed to traditional cold call, email, funnel building, whatever else it is. So I don't care what works. I have no golden calf in this scenario. I care what works. Yeah, yeah. If if cold calling comes back tomorrow, I'm happy to go back to it. Mm. But right now, the numbers are hurting it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, they've just got to find smarter ways. Yeah. Yeah, but the resistance to change, the fear of change, um, we're just throwing more and more SDRs at the problem, and it's not working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think that some of that resistance that I've seen is because the managers above the people that are asking them to do more dumb stuff don't know the actions between the multi-thread and the omnipresence that's required, and they can't measure it. 
So that if they know, if they no. know, they don't know the actions, they don't know how to measure it. They're like, we can't let them do that. So that, yeah, yeah that's a big resistance. And not even not knowing how to measure it. We, we are using our sales tools wrong. Um, one of my favorite people on the platform is a guy by the name of Eric Steves, and he is uh, S-T-E-E-V-E-S. Yeah. Um, he started looking into Salesforce, and he's become a, old, like a real Salesforce expert. And what he really discovered is we're just using our CRMs as audit tools. We're not using them as sales tools. Yeah. We're just using it as something that we can wrap, like go to an SDR or an AE and wrap them on the knuckles with a ruler. It, CRMs are no longer helping us sell. They're just being the weight around the stone around our necks that are weighing us down. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't have to be that way. Brian Burns talks about that a lot on his podcast. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, couldn't be more true. But it, there's so much more we could be doing with these tools, but we're using them the way we've always done it. We're using it as an additional micromanager. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and micromanaging doesn't work. And that's one of the big lessons we should all be learning from this great resignation that we've been going through. Mm. But that that ties to the C suite above, don't not understanding yeah. the actions but also they have to t tie it to output management to maintain relevance management because yes. they can't understand all the omnipresent actions that need to be facilitated to get to the yes. They've got no idea. So it, they, need and they have no idea because they've insulated themselves from their own employees yep. because they've built these silos and these chains of commands where if I'm an SDR and I have a problem, now I have to go to my frontline manager, now I have to go to my regional manager, then the director of sales. And it's impossible for that message not to get polluted in that game of telephone. Yeah. Yeah, but even, even so, so there is no intercommunication between the customer facing employees and the C-suite. Mm. Yeah, Al Alexander Lowe talked about that a fair bit in most of his RSLs. So, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it, it's this chain of commands that is becoming completely inefficient in terms of making decisions for the right of the company. And then even worse, we have the companies making short-term decisions for the quarter because of shareholder supremacy and Milton Freeman and all of those ideas, rather than figuring out how to make things sustainable long-term. Yeah. And go further than that, because if you've got someone sitting in the SDR or AE full cycle seat, that is an innovative strategic thinker that will then try to upsell how we could do this better, how we could measure this mm -hmm. and how we can make it real and explain it to the C-suite. They don't want to hear about it. No, they don't not at all. They don't understand what that person's saying. that could completely transform a business and make things more efficient. So that's dangerous. Well, and this isn't even like I know we're talking about C-suite a lot, yeah. but it this is not original it? to like it could happen at any yeah. size organization. <laughs> like yeah. a big part of the people that I help are if you've ever read Michael Gerber, the E-Myth Revisited, um, the technician who is great at what their business does, but isn't great at running a business. Mm -hmm. So yeah. the yeah. the equivalent he uses is Sarah, who's a great baker. She knows how to, like, she knows how to bake pies, but she doesn't know how to run a bakery. Mm -hmm. And that's what I see in so much right now in SME business, in SME world. Yeah. Yeah. So I've seen it's that. It's people who, 
Yeah. It, people, I know marketing, I know how to create marketing, but I don't know how to sell marketing. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I, I know copywriting, but I don't know how to sell copywriting. Yeah. Yeah. That's happening everywhere. It's like an explosion. Yeah. 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 And I've seen it like particularly with this side hustle culture that we've been pushing towards for the last probably six or seven years. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. But you I know, think, and, and yeah, that might yeah. that that's probably come for well, in a lot of cases out of necessity because the people that are the innovative strategic thinkers that are trying to explain how to fix all of these problems, no matter what level they're at, they could be, they could have even been in the C-suite themselves, but who they report to doesn't necessarily understand what they're saying, but they're still getting asked questions from other businesses. Can you do this for us? So th that becomes a thing. So yeah. Well, so few people, and, and this isn't just a, this is industry-wide in almost everybody. We try to explain everything at once rather than give a single action item. Mm -hmm. It's why I have so much problem with the way we do training as an industry, as a sales industry. We, we have people attend three-day seminars. Mm -hmm. They're going to take one thing away from it and forget 95% of what they did. You, rather than pay for a three-day seminar, do one hour a week. Mm -hmm. So what what so I think what they should do because in most cases this is just my observation. Tell me if this is still right for North America. Um, yeah. Say that they they reach out and they've sold the dream of doing that three day seminar, but they the haven't started at the starting point of auditing what their milestone process is. So they've just come in guns yes. blazing, do this, but they don't actually know. Like, will this fix yeah. any of their problems? It, it, it's. It, You've got to start with the idea of it has to be simple enough to execute. Mm -hmm. yeah. it, like it's that Einstein idea. Anybody can make something more complex and cumbersome, but very few. It takes real genius to make things simple. Yeah, yeah, but it, it, I, it, I can. Yeah. yeah, anybody I know in the sales world can give you techniques. They can give you all sorts of word tracks and closing techniques and all of that kind of stuff. But I haven't found too many sales trainers who can teach you how to think about sales. Yeah. yeah. Like, how do you break things down? How do you find out whether this is something even worth implementing for your business? Mm -hmm. so like, start, again, yeah, it needs to start yeah, with the challenger order. sales. Yeah. 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 Sorry, mate. <laughs> you go. <laughs> and we've got like that must yeah. be that like quarter second lag that's eating yeah, yeah, us yeah. alive. But, no, sorry about that. Um, but like I can teach people the Sandler model for sales. I could teach them challenger. I could teach them spin selling. I could teach them gap selling. Um, one of my new favorites that I've learned comes from a guy by the name of Wayne Maloney, which is the advanced system um, that I'm starting to learn now. Um, it comes from a great book called The Wentworth Prospect. Mm -hmm. um, highly recommend that one. But I can teach all of these systems, but you don't need to know all of them. You need to know the one that works for you. Yeah. For my job is to understand the big concept ideas and then understand your business and tailor what I know to what works for you. Yes, because that will strike relevance against their ultimate customer experience, not around the other way yeah. of being forced into a box. 
Yeah, absolutely. Because one of my favorite things about Challenger is it breaks it down into three things. It, you need to be able to teach your clients. You need to be able to educate them in the right way. You need to be able to tailor it to what they need. It's not just another thing off the shelf. Otherwise, you just become a commodity anyway. And then you need to know how to take control. And I don't mean that in an aggressive bulldoze over your clients kind of way, but draw, like set the right expectations and draw the right lines. And not just discount it by 80% and say, okay, you can sign up just so we could hit our customer acquisition number. It's not how it works. Yeah, yeah. Love it. Love it. So there's a lot there. Um, given that, like, who do you think you can help the most? Um, are they, like, what type of ICP are they? Or are they small businesses? Or are they also medium-sized enterprise? Like, can you help everybody? And what does that look like? So the people I like to help are usually the one closer to the ground. I'm not, I don't usually like talking to the C-suite. And I know that's almost like against protocol for most salespeople. Um, but the reason is because C-suite doesn't really understand the pain points of people towards the ground. Um, SMEs, small business owners, people who need, know they need to sell, but don't know how to sell, like the Sarah's that I talked about before. Those are the people I love to help because they are great at what they do. They're excited about doing it, but they just don't know how to communicate what they do. Yes, That's a big one. Um, or medium-sized organizations that they know something is wrong, but they don't quite know how to articulate what. So that, those you, are the kinds of people. Yeah. How do you get in and help them with that? Do you get in on the ground and get dirty and learn it? I, I really like to talk to people on the ground level, the people who are like not just current employees. If I can, I want to talk to past employees. Mm -hmm. I want to talk to somebody who left because they were so frustrated. And in, like most companies have no shortage of that. The average tenure of an SDR at a company is only 18 months right now. Mm -hmm. yeah. Meanwhile, it costs companies 150% of salary or more to yeah. hire for a position. So you're paying three years to get a year and a half. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So I want to talk to people who are having the ground level problems, who are frustrated about the RevOps side of not either not having the tools they need or having too many tools and not wanting to use them all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, having Salesforce forced down their throat when it's just too cumber of a CR, cumbersome for a CRM for them. So let's dig into that a little bit. Do you find yeah. that with some of those, even at the smaller end of the SME size, mm -hmm. the new business team, like whatever they're called, like let's just keep it yeah. vanilla, when they hand over to the customer service team, which could be an operational team, do you see like a complete disconnect between systems as well, which is also causing the problem of a, conti a continuity? So, so that kind of goes back to what I was talking about with the chain of command is we have siloed so much of our businesses out. And it's not just like, it's easy to point to marketing and sales and they're on different pages and like, yeah, that's part of it. But as Salesforce has even further stripped that down and gone from full cycle to SDRs, AEs, account managers, client success. Like as we've stripped that, we've created additional silos underneath the sailor sales silo. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. So we don't have that cohesive process anymore. We have a bunch of people doing what they think is right for their own tiny slice of the pie, and we don't have a cohesive strategy. Yeah. It's it's um they're being measured on dumb stuff for their area to to what they're measured for their area to succeed but not mm -hmm. tied to the ultimate customer experience so when it gets to customer success they then find out that that dream client is not a dream client and they're not even a fit nope. for the business in the first place it's actually going to cause more work than what they what, mm -hmm. what they've anticipated they're going to build so like you're putting your customers through this game of telephone where they're told one thing by the SDR, they're told another thing by the AE, they're told another thing by client success, they're told another thing by like client management. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and like all of them have these different objections and different like goals and all of that kind of stuff. And you can't expect a cohesive customer experience from that. No. And I'm not, I'm not saying you need to go full cycle because the skill sets you need as an SDR are different than those you need as an account manager. It's hunter versus farmer. Yeah. Yeah. But you do need to do it in a way where everybody is thinking about things and have this cohesive vision and your teams are moving forward in the same direction. Yeah. But do you think that do you think that some of the reason for that, apart from obviously the explosion of the predictable revenue modeling in 2011, mm -hmm. do you think that some of that is tied to the fact that somehow the more senior full cycle person that used to also do a communication plan for the handover plan now doesn't happen? Mm -hmm. there, there's no yeah. like, because they're so siloed out, whatever that document was to set them for success doesn't happen anymore which is causing the problem because if they did that and had an agreeable sheet before a lot of these problems could probably be, be mitigated or we could at least manage the, the client's expectation at the handover points. But um, yeah, yeah. It, because we have assembly lined the mm. sales process, yeah. no one can see the full picture. They, they only see that their tire is on that they're it, and it's become this issue where we don't have, I'm not going to say we don't have smart enough people, but we don't have smart enough people in positions of power often to see the forest through the trees. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, we have some brilliant people and we have some brilliant people at the ground level, but they're only looking at their one tree and they don't understand that the rest of the forest is on fire. Yeah, 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 100%. Yep, couldn't agree more, super powerful. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, it's all about like we have to move away from I'm not saying we have to move totally away from the assembly line process, but we need to have people who understand the whole process, not just segmenting it out into pieces. Yeah, 100%. So do you have any given all of that? Do you have any tips for the listeners? My biggest tip is to challenge what you've always believed. To at whatever it is, whatever thought process, the more ingrained it is, the more worthy of challenge it deserves to be. Yeah. Um, to, to kind of paraphrase, I believe, I forgot if it was so uh, Socrates or Aristotle, mm -hmm. an unexamined life is not worth living. Mm -hmm. An unexamined sales process is not worth having. Yeah. Oh, I couldn't agree. Like more. if you don't, one of my favorite things was when I was selling, uh, I did fuel cards for trucking companies mm -hmm. and I, the, 
my manager said, well, you need to go dressed up. You need to go and wear a suit. And he dressed me, like told me to wear khaki pants and a blue blazer with brass buttons. Like I'm meeting Miffy at the yacht club. Meanwhile, I'm going to meet somebody who owns a trucking company and has his hands covered in like power steering fluid because he does his own mechanic work. Yeah. Yeah. They don't want to talk to me, but the idea of we've always done it this way was so pervasive. Yeah. Whatever it is, no matter what you believe, no matter how integral it is. Again, I called out Dale Carnegie earlier. He's about as much of a patron saint of sales as you could get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Still yeah. challenging. Yeah. Well, it's very similar to other things. Like if it's not, if it's, is it, is it science if you can't ask questions? You have to ask questions, right? So yeah, yeah. I couldn't agree more, man. Yeah. 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 It's, there's so much more that we could be doing, but we're getting stuck in this. We've always done it this way mindset. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's no longer serving us. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Well, if the listeners have loved what you've said as much as I have, where's the best place to contact you? Um, the best places to find me on LinkedIn, uh, Red Staffstrom. You could also find me on um, all sorts of like Instagram, YouTube. I have my podcast there um, or just go brokensalespeople.com. Um, that's the whole brand. You see everything that I do from there for the most part too, for free training, blogs, et cetera, et cetera. Excellent. Well, this has been a very action-packed episode. So for the listeners, I recommend probably listening at 1.5 speed three or four times to listen to everything that Red has articulated. But thanks so much for your time, mate. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks for listening. If you, like me, have received great value from my guest, please like, share and follow. See you next time.